Hey everyone, welcome back to Every Version Ever. My name is Jonathan North, and today's episode is the first of a two-part mini-series covering the two American adaptations of the 1953 play Sabrina Fair. Now, for those of you who may not know, I certainly didn't until I did some research for this episode, this play has been made into a whole bunch of films all over the world, including one in the Netherlands, one in Turkey, and there are at least three different Indian versions, each one in a different language. Now, as much as I would love to review every version ever, as you might imagine, it's extremely difficult, if not impossible, to get copies of many old and or obscure foreign language films, even through the internet. So unless some generous benefactor has connections who could get me all these other versions, I may just be confined to reviewing the two most well-known versions. So in this episode, we'll be covering the original 1954 film, Sabrina, starring Audrey Hepburn and Humphrey Bogart, and next time we'll talk about the 1995 remake starring Harrison Ford and Julia Ormond. And joining me to talk about both of these films is my friend and fellow podcaster, Chelsea Robson. Chelsea is one of the hosts of the Rotoscopers, the podcast that got me into podcasts, and I also write for their website. Chelsea and I originally recorded this episode last year for my first podcast, I Heart Movies, which at the time was just called the I Heart Podcast, and I invited her on the show to talk about any movie she wanted. I assumed she'd pick something animated since that's what the Rotoscopers covers, but to my surprise, she chose Sabrina. So without further ado, let's get on with this episode of Every Version Ever with Chelsea Robson. Okay, so today I wanted to know if there was any movies that you would like to talk about, and you chose the movie Sabrina. So can you tell us a little bit about the film and why you chose it? Yeah. So the when you asked me the like as a as a movie that I would really like to watch that well let's back up. You first found out about me through the Rotoscopers podcast, correct? Yes. Okay. So the Rotoscopers for anybody who doesn't know, we did a lot of it's on hiatus right now, but what we did is we we covered all things animation, so Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, all of that. And so I have talked a lot about animated films. And so when you first started asking me, I thought like my mind automatically went to that. But then I was thinking, well, if I could talk about just anything, what would it be? And classic movies, just classic movies that have a lot of really, really good replay value for me are up there. And so I went back into my vault as far as like, what would be a movie that I would just love to watch again? just for the sake of watching again. And this was just one of those movies that popped into my head. It was the first time I ever watched it. It was uh, with me and a girlfriend of mine. And then my brother was with us and we were just sitting and watching it in my house. And he got, I was so annoyed by him because (laughs) he would, he just started like making fun of it and everything. We're like, no, I'm into this. <laughs> so that was one of those moments that I was like, you are no longer allowed to be here. Get out. <laughs> um, so it just has a funny memory attached to it like that. But also, I am a huge fan of Audrey Hepburn. I think she is so classy. I just love to watch her. I just think it's so great. And so that's kind of why I decided to to pick this one because she just has, she's such a interesting person outside of the films but as well as this movie just has so many like huge characters and stars in it that were amongst the most famous actors of the time Mm -hmm. so that's why i chose it okay yeah i had never seen this movie i'm not exactly sure if i've even seen an audrey hepburn film 
I, uh, I, I know who she is, of course, but I guess I haven't watched a whole lot of old movies that my mom or anyone I was related to didn't watch. Okay. So most of our old movies were old Disney movies or like Shirley Temple movies. Okay. <laughs> so I didn't I really... Have, I have a fair share of those as well. <laughs> <laughs> of course. So I... I haven't really seen a lot of the ones that people would deem to be classics like this one. So this was a new experience for me. And for a lot of it, I wasn't, I wasn't really sure how I should feel about it because I couldn't really tell who was telling the truth for the, <laughs> for most of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so I wasn't sure who I should be trusting here. Right. I think I might like it better on a second viewing. I think you probably would um, because yeah, that it had been several years since I'd seen it and they did do a remake of it, but it wasn't nearly as good. Like uh, without Audrey Hepburn, it just isn't the same. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, it, I don't know. She just has such a poise about her that I love. And yeah, you, I mean, you have some of your, the biggest stars in this. It's just incredible. Yeah, I totally get it because, you know, at first you're like Humphrey Bogart's character. You're just like, what is this true? What is he doing? I don't understand. And then you got William Holden's character, you know, David, who's just like, he's the guy that just is such a cat. (laughs) (laughs) But he's, I I totally get it because as I was watching it this time, I had forgotten details of the plot. And so I was like, wait, is is he actually into her or not? I don't remember what's going on. And then I was like, oh, okay, I get it. So. Yeah. I was talking to my cousins about this one and I had, I mentioned that I was kind of hoping that she wasn't going to end up with anybody. <laughs> I was hoping <laughs> they were going to subvert everyone's expectations and have her leave without getting together with anybody. And they were telling me there's another one, I think they said it's called Roman Holiday, where that actually happens. Yes. That I should be. I should watch that one if I wanted that to happen. <laughs> yes. So um, I would love to talk a little bit about her for a second. Okay. Um, so Roman Holiday was her biggest film. Like it was the film that really set her career off. She had done a lot of plays before that, um, smaller parts. She had like a commercial of some kind, and then she was in the play Gigi on Broadway. And then from there, somebody saw her and ended up, you know, casting her for Roman Holiday. And at first, she was going to be just one of, like as a, and introducing type character with like her name being, very small after the title and it was just going to be focused on the actor who I can't remember at the moment who was at the top and he ended up saying hey she's going to be a big star and if you don't give her equal billing as I do then I'm just going to look like a big jerk (laughs) so Mm. please give her big billing and so that's what happened and she just ended up just catapulting from there Um, what was so interesting is she actually grew up in Europe during World War II. And her history is just, it's just so fascinating. And a lot of, I actually, because of this, I decided to get one of the biographies about her that talked about her as just being the Dutch girl. So before she was, you know, an actress, she would actually, she had been part of, uh, during the German occupation of her town, she 
saw so many horrendous things. And she said, I was reading on her Wikipedia article that just said she was one time she was watching as they were loading children onto a, onto a barge to be able to take to a concentration camp. And she said, she noted, I was a child watching a child and knowing what was happening and it just changed her forever. And Mm. that whole situation, she was just, changed her completely and i was like wow it's just incredible she's like whatever you heard about the german occupation at the time it is probably true if not worse she just saw she said multiple times we saw these things happen and horrendous things happen in front of our eyes and so once the german occupation was done they were able to leave and she wanted to be a prima ballerina but because of her time in the war she had been Uh, malnourished and had anemia and a couple other things. And so because of her, of her state um, health wise, the director told her that she would never be a prima ballerina just because she didn't have the strength to be able to do it. And so from there she dropped ballet and decided to go more full in into acting. And so in Roman holiday, that was her first appearance in film, in a film like this specifically. Mm-hmm. And she was nominated for Best Actress for the Academy Award and the, and she won the BAFTA. No, she, she won for the Academy Award as well. So she won the BAFTA, the Academy Award, and she's one of like only a couple leading actresses to have ever done that in the same year for the same performance. Mm-hmm. So it was huge. And then equally, she ends up going on and winning a Tony for best performance as a leading actress in a play the same in 1954, the same year as that. So it's just so amazing, <laughs> the awards that she got just for Roman Holiday. Yeah. So then after that, she was picked up by a couple other, but this one was her next really big film. And it was, it's kind of like a Cinderella story, I guess, just the fact that she's the, the daughter of one of the, uh, of one of the servants and, you know, making her way up in the, where, in the world. And it's just, some of the writing in it is just so cool. I really liked it. So, yeah, so she ends up, most people know her for Roman Holiday, Breakfast at Tiffany's, or on play as Eliza Doolittle, or not, not in the play. She was cast instead of Julie Andrews for Eliza Doolittle in My Fair Lady, um, which was a huge upset. And everyone was like, what? But it worked out for Julie Andrews. She ended up winning mm-hmm. the Academy Award for Mary Poppins that same year. So it was fine. <laughs> yeah. But just Audrey Hepburn, one of my favorites. So Yeah, she sounds more interesting than I ever knew about. <laughs> But this is why I'm telling you about her. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm kind of interested now. I will probably end up watching some more of her work. Like I said, I wasn't I didn't feel like I loved this movie, but I was completely into it the entire time. Like yeah. I was I was really engaged in what was going on and wondering what was going to become of her. I was <laughs> I wasn't sure if anyone was lying that's to her that's like i was saying i was hoping she wasn't going to end up with anybody so i was actively rooting for her the entire time i just wasn't completely sure how i should be rooting for her right good <laughs> yeah i i feel like that was how i felt the first time i watched it too i was just so engaged and i couldn't look away and i was like man you're just 
I don't, what's going to happen? I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the characterization of all of the, all of the people that she, her, her dad works with. So all the servants plus all of the rich people, they all had such caricatures of people. And it's just, I, I just really loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing that surprised me about this movie was I wasn't expecting the specific brand of humor that it ended up having. Uh-huh. Like, I was expecting, I don't know, maybe like a cute romantic comedy. But then like right at the beginning, she's going to kill herself. <laughs> right. <laughs> she's, she's upset about this guy, David, who uh, she loves. He doesn't even notice her. He's the son of her father's employer. And she decides that since he's going off with somebody else, she can't bear the, I don't know, the tragedy of everything. And she's going to kill herself by breathing in car fumes all night. (laughs) And there was so many little details around the scene that I was like, is this supposed to be funny? I was like, (laughs) am I supposed to laugh at this? Because it was funny, but she was trying to kill herself. Right. (laughs) Yeah. When I first, as I was watching it this time, I just kept thinking, well, that escalated quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. It it was, it was a weird scene. There's so many little humorous details and yet there's a suicide going on. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and then when, when Linus comes in, so Humphrey Bogart, like, I just love Humphrey Bogart. He's so, there's, no reason not to love him. He's one of, he is the number one most iconic actor of the time. And there, there's a reason for it. He's just really good. But it's interesting when he comes in and he sees her here in this, in this predicament. And he's like, what in the world are you doing? And you can really just tell the age difference at the time. Like mm-hmm. he's scolding her and she's just this little waif thing, you know, just, like, who is this little girl? And totally tells that there's a difference in age and in confidence level. And it really does a good job of keeping the difference of before her Paris and after her Paris time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wasn't, that was another thing that I wasn't sure what to make of with the age differences of the characters because she's like head over heels in love with David but I was like, how how much is their age difference? And that doesn't always matter, but she had made it clear that she had loved him since she was a little kid. So she'd known him, I was presuming, as either a much older teenager or as an adult, which just feels weirder than like somebody who's 20 meeting somebody who's 30 later in life. Yeah. Well, so, and she does let it know, like, as far as when she first fell in love with David, she said she was like nine years old or something. And because he came over and kissed her. So I was thinking they're probably maybe just a couple years apart, he and David. Mm-hmm. And then maybe Linus is like five years older than David. Who knows? So it's like, in my, he- in my head and heart, I'd like to keep it under a 10-year difference. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, the actual ages of Humphrey Bogart and Audrey Hepburn were definitely not that close. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that's fine. Sure. I wasn't sure if they were, like, you know how in movies and TV, everybody always plays somebody way younger than they are. So right. I wasn't sure if I was just mis- misinterpreting what they were intending for their ages to be or if there was an actual giant age gap right yeah i don't know but 
it worked out for me. Yeah, by the end, I, I didn't care as much, I guess. Yeah, I think because when she comes back, she is just so totally aware of her stance. Like, just she just has so much more confidence, and I think the confidence level is really what mm-hmm. what levels the playing field at this point. Yeah, that's a good point. I find it interesting how the dad's his whole heart is saying, "Don't reach for the moon. You know, stay low, stay low. Don't don't be mm-hmm. doing that." And then she's like, I can't help it, Father. The moon is reaching for me. I was like, aw, <laughs> that's cute. <laughs> so, like you mentioned, she comes back. She's off. She's gone off to school. She comes back like a completely different person. And she meets the object of her affections again. He doesn't even recognize her, which I thought was kind of ironically funny. She's spent all this time pining over him and he still basically has no idea who she is. Well, he's just so into himself. Like you just, Uh he's been married three times. He's just such a, a louse. Uh (laughs) And you're just like, Oh dude, you gotta be kidding me. But obviously like everybody else knows who she is and Uh it's just him. Like it kind of just goes to show how bad of a person he is. I wouldn't call him a bad person. He just is the type that does not want to grow up. So mm, that's a good way of looking at him. I I kept thinking like, what does she see in him? Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, he's just, it's like he's really selfish without understanding that he's selfish. Yeah. But I mean, he's a good looking boy. So, you know, and it, especially for her to have fallen in love with him, you know, quote unquote, as a child, he, you know, love is blind, but the neighbors ain't. So, <laughs> mm. Yeah, so he's he's now engaged, but now he's kind of like actively pursuing her. He invites her to a party and they like dance together and everything's going well and then he's like inviting her to sneak off with him. And he ends up sitting on champagne glasses <laughs> and getting his rear end full of glass bits. <laughs> and that was another thing I wasn't expecting, a whole bunch of like butt jokes <laughs> like, <laughs> the plastic it was, almost, it was almost tasteful butt jokes because they never like say what they're talking about right <laughs> making allusions to what happened to him <laughs> well and then the plastic having that be this running gag throughout oh, the yeah. film was probably my favorite because every time it's like all right ladies jump on this plastic thing let's do the weight test <laughs> you have all these like, like secretaries jumping on it and like bouncing and then later on he's showing it to the to the businessmen and they're all bouncing <laughs> just visually so so appealing <laughs> yeah and then making that hammock thing with a giant hole for his rear end <laughs> to hang out of out of this magical sugar plastic yeah is there ever actually plastic made out of sugar or did they just invent that for this movie? I'm sure that they just invented it for this movie. But one <laughs> thing I really appreciate about it is there's this whole little rant that Linus goes on and it's basically a positive view of like capitalism that you really just don't get in movies these days. It's like, he's like, it's not about money. It's money's just the byproduct. And it's just like, ah, and I was like, ah, good man. I like you. <laughs> I'm just, I've always been a fan of, of business and capitalism in the way that it's like, it's a, it's a good thing that everybody's able to go out and just make their own business and mm-hmm. do their own thing and have a good time with, with it. And so I just, I really appreciated that. 
and then just his his whole side it's like he's not the rich dude in the tower and you can tell that like he's not thinking about the money he's not thinking about that he's just he wants to do something great and he wants to you know progress have progression throughout his everything that he touches and while you look at david who's the opposite he does not want progression at all he just wants to stay in his little circle mm-hmm. and so you have those two wheels kind of going against the grain on that you can see the minds moving and i just appreciated that as well yeah so this whole thing with him getting a whole bunch of glass stuck in him leads to linus pursuing sabrina instead but this is where all my confusion came in because i wasn't sure of his exact motivations for this because he tells david that he's doing it for him because his father does not like the idea of him going off with somebody else because he is engaged to someone else but he tells his father that he's doing it to get rid of sabrina but then to sabrina it seems like he's doing this because he actually likes her Right. And I think the lines got blurred for him, too. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of figured that out more towards the end, but through the most of the movie, I was like, well, which which of the three people is he lying to? And who's he <laughs> to? I'm not sure if they did it that way on purpose or not, but that's how it ended up being for me. He's lying to himself the whole time. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's that part where he walks into the tennis court well, first off, the, the fact that she's basically like quoting exactly David's moves, it's like, oh my gosh, what a cad. <laughs> He's just such a bad guy <laughs> as far as like a player, total mm-hmm. player. And for Linus to come into the tennis court and to have his little, it's all in the family, right? And it's like, what the? <laughs> yeah, that was such a weird line. Yeah, <laughs> it really was. Like two or three times. But at the same time, it was like kind of a good line for him just because it's like, whoa, hello. <laughs> she was not expecting that first off. But at the same time, he he has the line. He does it so well that it's like, okay. <laughs> mm, yeah. My favorite part is when they go in. Well, maybe not my favorite part, but a part that I like. And the fact that they play the, we yes, we have no bananas into the score of this film like it introduces it i was like that's cute i like it yes we have no bananas (laughs) was there any significance to that song or was that just something that was popular around that time i I believe it was just popular at that time okay yeah i didn't know if like someone who was in the movie sang that song and they wanted to use it or if it was just because i know it was a popular song at one point but i didn't know exactly what the timeline was on that it seemed like a a strange inclusion but i liked it and i did i really liked that it kept showing up as a bit of the score Uh uh-huh it just kind of humanized him i think like it and this part I got really confused at because when he talks about no man walks alone by choice, like he never really goes into the woman that he lost or his story to the point where you don't really know if did he actually lose someone or is that just made up? I don't know. And you kind of get the feeling that it, it is true. But then later on you're like, she brings it up again and he was like, wait, what? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, as though he had made, 
made it up or something. And so I was really confused at that point. But I kind of like the idea that it wasn't made up, that he Mm -hmm. did have this scandal and it just turned him sour. I kind of assumed that it was true because, like, I wasn't sure at first, but, like, by the end when you find out that he was actually telling her the truth, I thought maybe he was telling the truth about that too because, like, if he really did like her, then why would he lie? Right. So... I guess you don't know because at that point he was still lying to himself, like you said. So maybe he was making it up, but I still, I still felt like he wasn't completely lying about everything. I felt like he was giving like an actual backstory for himself. Yeah. And I like it. So we'll go with it. (laughs) (laughs) So somewhere in here, they start making plans to go to Paris, but this is another thing that, I was I could not figure out who was lying to who because he's acting like they're going together, but he's telling her dad that he's sending her by herself. And I was also wondering, like, why would her dad be okay with this? Yeah, that was <laughs> weird to me too. But I think he, the whole time, he was just like, I don't want her to be involved with any of you people because, as he says, there's a there's a passenger and there's a driver and a window window in between, and mm. so he just he would like her to leave and not be in this whole thing. But at the same time, I would, I feel like as a father, you'd be like, what are you doing to my daughter? Stop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It just, it seemed kind of odd to me. I agree. So then he's also, he's acting like the, the plan is to just basically get rid of her because he tells, I I think he tells both his dad and David that he's sending her alone but then, like, later he's acting like David can go, and it's I – was, I was just very confused about everyone, what, what he was thinking with this whole going to Paris plan. It seems to me like his original intention was just to send her to Paris, to get her to somehow just get her out of the situation because he really wasn't planning on falling for her. But then as he started to fall for her – He wanted to think of what was best for her and didn't want her to be alone. And so she thought, well, she loves David. So, okay, David, I'll let this whole thing happen because you seem to have some type of of affection for her as well. And Mm -hmm. then as David comes around, which I'm glad that David finally comes around because the girl he's got is like, girlfriend, she is on the ball. I like her. Yeah. And... So for her to for him to just like back like back out on on this girl that he's engaged to, it's like, oh man. But for now Linus gets to gets to realize that no, he was in love with her. And so he should just go. <laughs> yeah, that was another thing that was kind of bugging me was like he started talking like he was going to leave his fiance for Sabrina. But then he's not telling his fiance anything that's going on, and she's right. still operating like she's working on getting the wedding together. I was like, "Why? Why? Why aren't you? Why are you pursuing Sabrina and stringing her along if you have no intention of marrying her?" Yeah, I mean, I'm glad it worked out, but I hope he comes clean sometime in the future <laughs> for his own sake. This is not something that you should be hiding. <laughs> Yeah, not so much. <laughs> but the, I mean, she's, I don't know. If I were her, I wouldn't be going for David either, just because I'm like, 
dude doesn't know what he wants. <laughs> yeah. But that's maybe she'll, she'll, she'll whip him into shape. <laughs> well, by the end, he seems to be sort of on his way to becoming a better person. So maybe he is, I hope, for her sake. <laughs> <laughs> for everyone's sake. Yeah. So then towards the end, he's finally, Linus finally starts, I guess that he was telling, he's now telling the truth, but it was, I was also wondering, like, is he throwing a new wrinkle into this, like telling another lie? But he was basically coming clean about, he was not planning to go to Paris with her. He was planning to keep her from going with David. He basically, they were planning to get rid of her. and he basically tells her that she can go to Paris by herself. And I think that she was planning on doing so because like at this point she realizes that uh, I guess nobody loves her. I'm not sure exactly right. what she was thinking here. I, that's another thing. That's that, what I would have gotten out of it. Yeah. I think there's another thing that I will have more clarity on if I watch it a second time. <laughs> One of those things that now that I know more about where the story is going, I will understand better. But yeah. basically, after all this unfolds, his new plan is to let David go after her. So he's planning on throwing off his whole deal because the whole thing with the sugar plastic was if he marries this woman, their companies can merge like some kind of medieval <laughs> our jo- We shall join our lands. <laughs> So basically, he's going to throw off this whole plastic deal by announcing, I guess, that they're no longer engaged, even though I guess David doesn't even know about this announcement. And then, I guess, canceling the merger or whatever was going on. But somehow in here, David figures out what's going on and turns everything around on him. And makes it clear that he's planning on getting married to the person who he's been engaged to all along and gets Linus to admit that he actually likes Sabrina. So basically Linus is now given free reign to chase Sabrina, catch her boat before she's gone forever. And she is being driven to the boat by her dad and she's telling him that she's finally over David. And like, she now is wondering how she's going to get over getting over David. (laughs) Right. And one of my favorite lines from that moment was the dad said, nobody poor was ever called democratic for marrying somebody rich. And I was like, Ooh, ouch. I mean, but it's true. Uh, Yeah. I was like, man, I really liked the lines. They had a couple of different lines that were just like, that one was good. Yeah, that's, that's like I said, I, even though I wasn't sure how I liked the movie as a whole because of not being able to figure out what everyone was thinking, it was still really well written and enough that I was completely engaged to the whole thing. Just the lines, like everything was written so well. Mm-hmm. So basically, in the end, she's leaving, I guess, assuming that she's leaving by herself. But Linus catches the boat in time. And at the the very final scene is him finding her on the boat. And they're hugging. I guess she's realizing that oh, he must actually like me. 
even though the last thing that she'd gotten out of their conversation was he didn't like her. She's, I, I guess, forgives him for that because they hug and that's the end. I mean, it is kind of a gallant thing, though. Mm-hmm. Just to, to show up and be like, actually, I'm here. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I, feel I like- mean, in reality, I'd be like, um, so what, what's happened here? How do I, how do I trust you? I mean, I have trust issues, so, you know, I would go into that, but, um, at that point you still just want to believe it and just go with it. It's like, Oh, mm-hmm. I, I was, I was just going to say that's just like, I feel like one little scene with a conversation of explanation, but I don't know that maybe that's too much for a movie like that. It would, it would, since this is like the grand finale thing, it would kind of slow slow the finale down if they had <laughs> exactly. an explanation before the end. I really and so when it happened, I was just like, I'm involved. I'm I'm glad that they ended up together because it's like you realize that he was just lying to himself the whole time and he really did love her and and you liked them together and I was like you're so much better of a person than David. <laughs> Even though you started out lying to her, like is is much more of an adult, which is nice. Mm-hmm. That that's that's another thing. Like, even though I was kind of not sure how to feel about the whole age difference thing, they I couldn't deny that she had chemistry with even with both of them. Even though it was obvious that David was not right for her. She did have chemistry with him, but then they also, she also worked really well with Linus as well. So I was, I I kind of got over the whole age difference thing, especially with Linus, because my main thing with David was the fact that the way she talked, they had known each other since they were kids. And I'm, I'm sure she was aware of Linus when she was younger, but he, probably would have no idea who she even was so the age difference thing seemed a little less important even though they were further apart than her and david it seemed less important with her and linus <laughs> just the yeah. fact that she didn't know him he didn't know her it felt less weird i guess <laughs> yeah and i can see that i mean if if she and david were closer together as in their childhood years then that means that you know if she were nine and david were like 10, 11, 12, somewhere in there, then Linus is probably going to be in his, in like high school, going into college. So he mm-hmm. probably doesn't know her, like know of her and like, oh yeah, the daughter of, of our, of our guy. Okay. Yeah. So it all worked out. I was, I was glad for how it ended and I was glad that I finally was able to understand <laughs> who was who, <laughs> who was actually telling the truth. Like yeah, like I said, I think I'll enjoy this on the second viewing more than I did on the first viewing because most of the time I was just like the wheels were too t- too busy turning. Like now, who is who is being truthful in this in this scene? <laughs> right. So in the end, did you end up liking the movie? Yes. Yeah, I did. Um, I really liked the characters. I I saw, I like the light the writing. There was like you said, there were so many good lines. Overall, it was a good movie. It just one that took me a while to figure out what was going on before I decided whether or not I liked it enough for a second viewing, which I do. Good. I'm glad to hear that. There's replay value. Yes. 
Yes, that's like one of my most important things for movies. Like, does it have replay value? Yeah. Because if I watch a movie and I know it's good, but I don't have any desire to watch it again, it doesn't feel like a good movie to me, even if I know that technically it was good. <laughs> right. So is this one of your favorite Audrey Hepburn movies, or did you have one that you liked more? Yes. So as far as an Audrey Hepburn movie, I think, I mean, you really can't go wrong with My Fair Lady, Um, but I do like this one more than I do like Breakfast at Tiffany's. I just feel like I just like the story better, I guess. Um, And she always plays these kind of like almost rags to riches types. I really like My Fair Lady, but at the same time, I think I just like this one as a movie better i think okay yeah now that you're mentioning my fair lady i think i actually have seen that one but i was really young and i don't remember much beyond a couple lines of the music mm-hmm. but so i have seen an audrey hepburn movie before it's just been so long that i don't really remember much of it yeah well i would recommend looking that one up too <laughs> yeah I'll, i might have to do that that's like i would since i'm doing I'm this, holiday I'm was good too it was fun <laughs> Yeah, one of the things I want to do with this podcast is discover more movies, more old movies, more things that like people say that everyone should see this movie and I've never seen this movie. <laughs> so, it's Perfect. I like that this podcast gives me an excuse to branch out in what I normally watch. Good. Yeah, that was something um that I've always enjoyed about doing discussion podcasts cuz you're like, yeah, I get to hear what other people think too. Mhm. And discover new things. That's that's one thing that I really liked about the Rotoscopers podcast was finding out about different movies that I've never heard of this. I need to find a copy of this and watch this. Good. I'm glad. Okay. Well, I guess we've come to the end. Thanks for joining me for this. This is a lot of fun. Thank you. So I guess, would you like to tell people where they can find you should they desire to look into more of your music and other things that you do online? Yeah, you can just go to ChelseaRobson.com and you can find everything that I'm working on there as well as by joining on my mailing list, you'll get to see basically everything that comes up. And if you're just looking for the casual view, you can check out Instagram or I'm on Facebook as well for sure. But Um, Instagram is probably where I post the most. Okay. And I will have links to your various things, including Rotoscopers, because you've kind of gotten back into doing some movie reviews in the past few months. So if people want to find out more of your views on movies, they can check that out as well. Yeah, sounds good. Okay. Well, if it works out, I would love to have you back sometime. This is a lot of fun. I always love talking about movies. And if you have any other old movies or animated movies that you want to talk about, you can let me know. And I would love to have another little discussion about them. Thanks, Jonathan. I appreciate the invite. Thank you so much to Chelsea for joining me on this episode of Every Version Ever. If you want more from her, I'll have links to her stuff in the description below. Plus, if you missed this episode when it came out last year, Chelsea and I also did a Q&A segment to get to know her a bit better, so you can find that as part of the original episode on iHeartMovies or on the YouTube channel. And like I said at the beginning, Chelsea will be back next time to talk about the 1995 remake, so make sure you come back next week. I'm really excited about this one, so we'll see you then. Thanks for listening.